Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 209 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracu. And today, the way I want to start is I want to take people through a, a short journey through my life. And what my life is, is I go to bed at a reasonable time. Okay. I read my book for a little bit. Sure. I cozy on down. Of course. I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then my phone inevitably dings at 11.30 p.m. or midnight. And then I look at it. <laughs> and of course, it's a text from Jacob. And it's a movie poster for a movie called Cocaine Bear. Coke, it looks, it's going to be the greatest movie ever made this I, is this is my life <laughs> and you would think that this is one of those like asylum pictures that they put no money towards no 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 no, no. there's money behind this. there's movie. like a ton of actors in it elizabeth banks is in this thing oh it's gonna be fabulous so for anyone who is like what did she say cocaine bear oh yes cocaine i did bear so this film was inspired by the real story if you don't know now let's underline that everybody true true story, story of this 175 pound american black bear that died after ingesting a duffel bag full of cocaine in December of 1985. So, By the way, totally, that's rad. That is rad, It's dude. not rad. That poor bear had a really terrible yeah, end-of-life yeah, journey. But, but he had a really great end-of-life journey for like three hours before that. <laughs> so this cocaine was dropped out of an airplane that was piloted by a former narcotics officer and convicted drug smuggler because and his bear plane... Murderer. Yes, and bear murderer. His plane was carrying too heavy of a load, so he ditched this giant, you know, duffel bag of cocaine, and then he actually jumped off the plane with a faulty parachute, and he died. I, dude, just <laughs> right off the bat, I swear to God, that is one of the best script openings <laughs> you could ever get. Like you'd you, be like, "This isn't realistic." Th- and that's then, the trailer right there. And you're like, "Yes." The bear was found three months later in northern Georgia alongside 40 opened plastic containers of cocaine. He's like, see, he opened 40 of them, man. Just, that, that, after like 20, it becomes a conscious decision. <laughs> He's like, you know, one of the bags, man. We That's doing? actually kind of true. <laughs> Then why didn't he stop? Yeah, he's like, no, 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 man, wait anymore, any more of these bags. Oh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Something to consider, everybody. Nature. I, feel, I don't know. It makes me feel bad for the bear. I really do. Oh, I just I, feel like he was scared. I hope he had a blast I before his I'm heart sure. exploded. I'm sure he had a great time, dude. He was sitting there watching Scarface, and just he was up to like four uh. in the morning. It was probably a great time. <laughs> You're stupid. Okay, so anyway, moving on from our you know, very future plans to our very near future plans, which will be Christmas meals with people. We just finished Thanksgiving meals with people. There's a lot. I, like I just, I, I just put in my hour with you guys like two weeks ago. Jacob's like, I did my duty. Yeah, was... Whoever put these two holidays close together is just a psychopath. People need some space. Lousy settlers. Again, they do it. Um, but of course, because I just was recently stuffing my face, it got me thinking about stuffing my face more. And then I saw a trailer for that new movie, The Menu. Which looks fabulous. It does look fabulous. So if you haven't seen it. This film begins as a bunch of rich, gross, wealthy people who Mm -hmm. have traveled to a privately owned island where they visit an exclusive restaurant known as Hawthorne, which is owned by a celebrity chef 
who is, can I just say Ralph Fiennes? Yeah, go Are ahead. Are you going to make me well, say Ray Fiennes? Nah, we're, we're, we're too far in now. Okay, we're, thank we're you. We're done with that. I appreciate it. Ralph Fiennes, who serves them exquisite and very delicate culinary delights, only then to realize that it is a total death trap. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the the trailer itself looks great. It looks really, really fun. It looks like Squid Games for rich people instead of poor people. Yeah, oh, like it's a cool concept, man. They're just like out there, like, okay, we're just gonna go ahead and serve you guys something or other. We're gonna mix a little bit of Simpsons humor with some uh, Tales from the Crypt here. And we're gonna have a good little time. Yeah, it, it looks really awesome, but it definitely got me thinking. And this is kind of a weird—I don't even know if you'd call it a genre, but I do because it's one of my favorites in films. Is I love dinner party movies. And there there's a surprising amount of them actually. There are or just a good dinner party scene, but I see like I feel that you get some of the best dialogue in film in these like close encounter maybe just a few characters or sitting around a table where it's very focused. Oh yeah. Like you just want to like focus in on a couple people, you kind of get like get to know them a little bit. It's like, like great that's... character development in those films cuz it's not about all of the other stuff so it's like not about the mashed potatoes or like <laughs> any of that you're not how how long are the is the turkey in there for? except the menu might. might be like that well that's true which is actually kind of awesome too how long do you cook a foot I'm not totally sure <laughs> i guess it depends if you're boiling or broiling that's yucks to think about but yeah so today that's what we're going to talk about is some of the best dinner party movies or maybe scenes that have come up in film and I have a couple clips of my favorites, and we should do this. Oh, I'm with you. Let's do it. Okay, bud. Thanks. I like how you, you're, I'm sure, of course, as always, everybody, remember, Michelle probably has the better of the movie <laughs> choices here. We don't need warnings at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. So the first film, and I absolutely love this movie, and I want everyone to see it. It's called Coherence. You know what? I heard about that, but I have not seen it. Okay. So this is one of the most audacious and thrilling directorial debuts of the 2000s, and in my opinion, very underappreciated. I mean, this is a film that will keep you guessing every single step of the way. I mean, I'm a fan of those kind of movies. Yes, this is an ultra-low-budget sci-fi movie, and it starts out looking and feeling like half of those kind of no-budget indie films that you've seen. Like a bunch of seemingly well-off people attend a dinner party at a nice suburban house somewhere in Northern California on the night that a comet is scheduled to pass pretty close to the Earth. Which everybody should know uh, from Melancholia, just get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be, you're going to have a bad night. They introduce themselves to each other, they're hanging out, out, they're drinking, they're eating, they're delivering, you know, all that sort of movie banter. And then things get weird. And then things get weirder. I like that. I like when things get weird and weirder. It is a truly in- ingenious script. It keeps the excitement at a delirious high um, for every one of the films, just creative and mind bending and really eerie, only 89 minutes. It is. It's a case study in that kind of less is more filmmaking. Which is what you want to do when you don't have a budget. Yeah, and because you don't know everything that's going on. Like, it's a really deceptively simple film made with, like, minimal cast, crew, budget. But it has more than enough sheer imagination to tip the scale in its favor. So it's, like, weird and you have to kind of think, and you're like, what's going on? But I think it's an awesome film, and especially top of the dinner party films. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why we're leading off with it, man. That's a great one. Like, yeah. We're going to, so I everyone. Check that movie. I keep seeing the, the thing up for it everywhere, and I'm like, I'm going to get around to it one of these days. It's very cool. Definitely do it. All right. You know what? 
You were talking about great dinner parties. I got one for you. Right? Nervous as heck. One, it's one of the great movies that explored interracial dating throughout mo- movie history. All oh, I think I know where we're going. Of course you do. How could you forget? Of course. How could I not be talking about 2005's Guess Who starring Bernie Mac and Ashton Kutcher? Oh, you tricked me. No, it's, that's the other one. It's the remake of that. So Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, of course, is the the obvious choice here. We went so, from Sidney Poitier to Bernie Mac. Well, you want to talk about, well, how about Spencer Tracy to Ashton Kutcher? Man? Actually, technically, we went from Sidney Poitier to Ashton Kutcher, so that's an even bigger downgrade. Oh, they reversed it. Mm-hmm. It's a white guy coming to dinner. Oh, isn't that isn't oh, that? Oh, that's creative? a that's a that is wow. We, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Of course, that's one you pick. All right, let me hear. No, so I'm a, we're actually talking about the real the real one here. I'm not going to talk about this. Oh, this terrible okay. Remake. Okay. So yeah, so it stars Sidney Poitier, Catherine Hepburn, and Spencer Tracy in the tale of uh. So it's the dinner party. The um the daughter who is Catherine Hepburn, Christina Drayton, says she is bringing her new um fiance at this point to dinner. Doesn't tell her parents anything more than that. So when he shows up, Dr. John Wade Prentice is, of course, Sidney Poitier looking as only Sidney Poitier could look back in, was it the 50s or oh, 60s? Oh, what a babe. Oh, I'm telling you. So, But uh, a, but definitely um, not looking the same as the family. <laughs> no, there's a slight difference between there. So then he comes in and, of course, this being the time, the dad is less than comfortable with it. Do downright say he doesn't approve. So then they have to face the fact that these two had like a whirlwind romance. They're engaged and... Basically, Sidney Poitier is like, I want to marry your daughter, but I am not going to do it if both of your parents don't agree to it. So it's the kind of a movie where they get to meet this super established, super intelligent guy that is like everything you would want for a um, son-in-law. Except, <laughs> unless, unless you're racist. Yeah, unless you're racist. And then it's like <laughs> the worst thing ever. So like this is literally one of the greatest movies ever made. It's, yeah. It's a fantastically acted movie. I guess this is like the ninth or tenth time Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy did movie together. I mean, they're a good match. Which is crazy to think about. Um, of course, Sidney Poitier, the first uh, African-American to lead to uh, win the Academy Award for Best Actor for, what was that, Lilies of the Field, right? That yes. Was, okay. Um, there's another one he could have won. I'm sure he was nominated for it. But, oh, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for like the all-time classics, this is just like, it's right up there. You got to go see this one, man. If you haven't, yeah, shame on you. What, what are you doing? <laughs> up Probably avoid uh, Guess Who. Uh, if I remember correctly, that movie is quite bad. So. Oh, I just can't believe you started. You tricked me. It was well done. I know. Thank you. I, it I, seems I, like a way you'd I go. I practiced that all night. Okay, my next film is, oh, I like it so much. Also, it's called The Invitation. Oh, okay. That was actually one I was going to do, so I'm glad that you picked it up. All right, so The Invitation is another, like, it's a dinner party from hell kind of scenario. Um, But I'm going to say that this is kind of like the last one, is best served as unspoiled as possible. A lot of these are. There's a lot of surprises. Yeah, I'm keeping it kind of light. so psychological thriller built upon slow, simmering tension. And like I said, that is only as good as it surprises. So um, I'm just going to try to say enough to get you hooked and nothing more. So a man accepts a dinner party invitation from his ex-wife and her new husband. Which, right off the bat, uh, no. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an awkward situation for our character, Will, who's played by Logan Marshall Green. And I like that oh, guy. I do like that guy. Yeah. And his new girlfriend, Kira. But, you know, perhaps it'll be nice. Might I mean, we're all he's, we're growing as people. Who, for all we know, they make a fantastic roast. You don't know. You yeah. find out. Yeah, but if dinner party films have taught us anything, it's that things are definitely going to go awry, yeah. which they do here. So things start to get uncomfortable when Will's ex-wife, Eden, starts to tell them about this 
cult-like group that she's recently joined to get over her overwhelming grief. So that is the beginning. And they're kind of sitting there like, what are you talking about? This yeah. kind of sounds like a weird cult. Yeah, when cults start getting discussed, like, I need to excuse, oh, it's Irish goodbye time. Like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> Yes, but what the film does so well is that it creates so much tension. The director really, like, plays with your nerves where you're kind of going back and forth and you're like, ooh, like, I, I, my shoulders are scrunched up. Like, I'm feeling kind of nervous about it. It makes really brilliant use of, like, tension-rich premise um, and delivers a really uniquely effective and surprisingly clever, like I said, just slow building tension thriller. I think it's a really fun movie. Um, Logan Marshall Green is a straight up babe. So what what else do you need to go see this film? It's another example of like you can tell good directors if what can they do with a small budget and can they actually make with like nothing actually going on? Like can we still yeah. make this movie entertaining and interesting to watch? So. And I think I just that's why I think I'm really drawn to those films because they're definitely more interesting to me than some of like the huge big blockbuster, all this money, all this action. And mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, I'm kind of bored. Like, I just watched The Northman. Did you see that movie? I didn't watch it yet. I have it, but I haven't watched it yet. I was like, okay. It's okay. And that's a shame because it's Alexander Skarsgård and yeah. uh, Willem Dafoe's in there yeah. and Anya Taylor-Joy. And just, that's uh, disappointing. Ugh. It's okay. But that's what I'm saying. You can tell there was a lot of money thrown at it. So I'm yeah. definitely, if you're looking for something low budget but excellent, they, check out that. Thanks, Robert Eggers, for ruining mid, mid we can't be mad at him he i know made, but <laughs> we'll never be mad after the lighthouse signed up for a marvel movie so get ready for oh, that just just please move on i <laughs> i just you know that's exhausting you mentioned um dinner parties where people get together i got one that actually goes with that so this one uh it is your next have you seen this movie I don't know. It is directed by Adam Wingard, the uh, cinematic master behind Godzilla vs. Kong. One of my, <laughs> probably my favorite uh, quarantine movie, by the okay. way. That movie, oh, I still watch it and it's awesome. So basically, while attending a family reunion, the family's together, they're all around the dinner table, like getting to know each other. And then all of a sudden, bam, one of their family gets hit with a crossbow bolt in the head and is killed. So it turns <laughs> oh, I out. I did see that yeah. movie. So it turns out that they're, uh, yeah, let's see how Michelle's laughing. You know you're in for a good time, everybody. <laughs> the crossbow just came through the house. It's fabulous. Absolutely <laughs> fabulous. You're like at dinner. I'm sorry. That's That would be tragic. It would be tragic, but it's like, well, this dinner party just got interesting. <laughs> so they're basically surrounded by a group of masked attackers who have, like, killed off cell phone service. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're going to kill everybody, and then we're going to go total purge on there. Well, it doesn't entirely go as they planned, because it turns out that the fiancé of the son has got a little bit of survivalist training going on. She's got a little skill. Some stuff starts turning really rapidly in the other direction, and man, that is one, that's a whiplash if you don't, like, understand, like, when I say it turns around quick and hard, it goes <laughs> around quick and hard, man. Yeah. Like, this movie is just fabulous Yeah, I liked it. And you could see why they decided, like, we have, we got to make a movie about a monkey fighting a um, lizard. Get the guy who did the, uh, the dinner party, <laughs> your next movie, like, get him in here to do it. Um, it's just such a good time, man. It's a violent movie. It's got uh, like a silly premise, but also one that's fun to watch. Just go give it a chance, man. You're, you're going to have a good time with that. Wow, so far I'm two for two with you? I know, it's weird. Well, I'm, we'll, we'll break that trend. Okay, sure. I'm assuming. Uh, the next film has, whoa, what a dinner party scene. Um, mm. The film August Osage County. Oh, my God. You, I just jumped in a time machine when you said that. Like, yeah. God, I haven't seen that movie since it came out. And <clears throat> that's have, because you were shook after it, and you're like, no, thank you. I have <laughs> long hair and a 
like a goatee with no mustache if you want to know what the fashion trends were at the time. So you were Amish? No, it was Isn't just... no mustache? Yeah, it was just a uh, anyway, post-new metal kid, man. It's what me, we were. Let me move on from that. Okay, so this film. The, there is the death and the funeral of their father brings three sisters to the home of their mother, Violet, played by Meryl Streep, who of is course. an acid-tongued, pill-popping, miserable woman. So bas- <laughs> yeah, basically mo- all Meryl Streep's roles roll together in like a piece of Play-Doh and throwing out there. Usually she can be lovely. But so we have daughter Barbara, who's played by Julia Roberts, Karen, uh, who's played by Juliet Lewis, and Ivy, who's played by Julia Nicholson. Um, Jeez, along they just with love the Jays on that, they do the theme. Along with their significant others, and then various other kin are all there, and they are all taking the full brunt of their dysfunctional matriarch's venom. For during this scene, Violet will tell every one of them exactly what she thinks of them. It is based on the darkly humorous uh, Pulitzer and Tony winning play by Tracy Letts, who actually did the adapted screenplay, which I think is why the language works so well in this film. Makes sense. I'm going to say that this is one of the greatest ensemble performances on film. Um, The cast is really, really superb. Um, Meryl Streep at the head of it. Like, she's given it her all. And I think this is Julia Roberts' best role. Really? I think that it's like she's like really acting like she gets really really into it it's not a typical role for her i think she's fantastic and honestly nothing will make you feel better about your dysfunctional family at the holidays than watching this messed up clan unravel on the screen that's a good point like you watch uh you watch what's going on in this movie you're like you know what we're we're doing just fine so i'm actually going to play a little clip when they're sitting at the table and Mama Merrill, well, she started speaking her truth. Let's do it. This is the crux of the biscuit. We lived too hard. And then we rose too high. We sacrificed everything. We did it all for you. Father and I, first in our families to graduate high school. And he wound up an award-winning poet. You girls just given a college education. Taken for granted, no doubt. Where'd you wind up? What do you do? What do you do? Who are you? Jesus! You worked as hard as us, you'd all be president. You'd have no real problems. Now you gotta make all your problems yourselves. Why are you screaming at us? Just time, some truth told around here. Damn fine day, tell the truth. Man, that is a real, ma'am, this is a Wendy's moment right there. It's just like going <laughs> off on some people. My and that's God. just such a such a small snippet from it. The scene is great, but I thought the whole movie was really powerful, and it can be relatable for people. So if you haven't seen it, check out August Osage County. Yeah, just make sure, uh, you know, you take a shot before you watch that movie because you're <laughs> yeah, going to need it. It's actually solid advice. Settle your own nerves when you're watching that. <laughs> uh, okay, so... I guess we would kind of have to, it being close to Halloween, we got to go with one of the all-time classic Halloween movies and dinner party scenes. We're going with 1988's Beetlejuice, the uh, oh. the Tim Burton classic. Maybe the greatest dinner party scene of all, Jacob. Possibly. I mean, it's got <laughs> the best soundtrack to a dinner party, that's for sure. So 
We all know what Beetlejuice yes. is, right, everybody? We, I don't need to explain what this is. So in the middle of the movie, basically, they're having these people over because they want to prove that there are ghosts because they want to make some money off of the house that mm-hmm. they just bought. So they have them for dinner, and then we get the famous Deo scene <laughs> where the food starts coming to life and everybody is dancing around the table singing to the old... Who um, knew possession could be so fun? Yeah, exactly. It, uh, it's apparently a classic Jamaican uh, song. This was They played the Harry Belafonte version, which apparently is composed by Alan Arkin. Like that, Alan Arkin. I looked it up. Really? Yeah, I looked it up. I was like, can't be, can't be on, can't be right. I'm gonna have to look into that. That's so strange. It was on Wikipedia, so don't 100% thing. But Harry was... Belafonte makes that whole soundtrack. Oh well, two absolutely. real jams there. Well, I mean, you put Harry Belafonte on something, <laughs> you're at least gonna get like 10,000 people to buy it. Oh That's boy. Great. So, um, yeah. So basically, this is one of those classic scenes. People think of this movie. This is one of the two or three scenes that definitely come to mind first. Such good body acting. It is surprisingly. <laughs> we, you know, we don't want to talk about the the husband of the family, but like Catherine O'Hara is like going. I um, think all he's out so it. funny in that scene, though. Like he's so over the top. Oh, he's great. He, you know, it, real life kind of jumps in on that, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, the, he's great in it. Like Catherine O'Hara is great. Uh, the dude who played, I can't remember the guy's name, Otho, like the actor oh. played him. That guy that just, guy's despicable. He had like one little kind of character, and he's like, I'm going to do it all over the place, and people are going to love it. Yeah. Like, it got his little descendant in- uh, We know you love little baby Winona. Oh, of course. How could you not? And that was like, that's a dream girl right there, man. I was a theater kid, so you know I'm just like up to my elbows. And oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure I wanted to be Winona. <laughs> I, I think everybody kind of did. Although, that, <laughs> yeah. like, I've, I've seen you with uh, the same haircut. It looked pretty Sir, good on you, I too, rocked I gotta it. Say, I man. rocked it back in the day. It, it's hard to rock a pixie cut, but you pulled it off. Thank you, Jacob. Such no kindness. That's what I do, man. I'm known for my kindness. That's a, so again, I'm into your movies. I got to. I know what. I got to go with a terrible one last. Though, okay. Right? I'm gonna have to pick a bad one. I'm. Shouldn't. I'm sure I could. I'm sad. Out. I thought maybe you were on a new track. We could talk about like society for a little while. <laughs> no, no. Moving on. <laughs> so this one is not so much um, a dinner party, but because it's intimate and has four characters, and it's really just about conversation. I felt it was appropriate for our list, and that is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Pretty much everybody if they see this movie, man. That is correct. So this is based on the just terrific Edward Albee play, and then Mike Nichols, who we know Mm -hmm. probably more famously from The Graduate. This was the most perfect debut film that you could have. And he finds, so history professor George, played by the excellent Richard Burton, and his boozy wife Martha, played amazingly by Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, yeah. Remember, this is when they're putting, like, letting the big Hollywood uh, studio actresses, when they just let them off the rails, as like, you have some fun. As they should. So they return late one Saturday night from a cocktail party at the home of the college president, which is Martha's father. And a Martha announces that she invited another couple. This is newly appointed instructor Nick, who's played by George Segal, and then his very timid wife, Honey, played by Sandy Dennis. Great foursome for a movie here, over for a nightcap. So when the younger couple arrive, the night erupts into a no-holds-barred torrent of just marital angst and some of these just most terrible verbal, like, assaulting that you've ever seen in a film. And it is really led, I think, by an absolutely 
I don't even know how to say a volcanic performance by Elizabeth Taylor. She is off the rails in this movie, man. Yeah. Like, she is like, I think, what was Richard Burton like husband number 15 or something for her at this point? I don't so know. she is just screaming. At the I think, top didn't of her lungs. she marry him twice too? Isn't he she the one? She might have actually. I think they were married 15 or and was married. 32 or whatever the heck. But I think this film is absolutely brilliant. But I will say that your overall enjoyment may depend on your tolerance levels. I actually did have to pause this film numerous times and leave the room for a bit because it really does make you that anxious and uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like, wow, man, like, let's take a break for a little bit. Like, like I don't even want to. get some air. Let's yes. walk around. So I do have another clip from this to just give you a little taste oh, of what's going on. You, you've been warned, everybody. <laughs> I actually fell for him. It. That. There. Martha's a romantic at heart. That I am. I actually fell for him. And the match seemed practical, too. For a while, Daddy really thought that George minute, had the Martha. stuff to take over when he was Wait ready a minute, to retire. Martha. And we both thought that naturally... Stop it, Martha. Oh, what you want. I wouldn't go on with this if I were you. Oh, you wouldn't, would you? Would you not? You've already sprung a leak about you-know-what. What? What? About the Sprout, the little bugger, our son. If you start in on this other business, Martha, I warn you. I stand warned. Do we really have to go through all this? So anyway, I married the SOB. I had it all planned out. First, he'd take over the history department. Then when Daddy retired, he'd take over the whole college, you know? That was the way it was supposed to be. Getting angry, baby, huh? That was the way it was supposed to be. All very simple. And Daddy thought it was a good idea, too, for a while. Until he started watching for a couple of years getting angry until he watched for a couple of years and started thinking that maybe it wasn't such a good idea after all that maybe georgie boy didn't have the stuff that maybe he didn't have it in it stop it martha like hell i will you see george didn't have much push he wasn't particularly aggressive in fact he was sort of a flop a great big fat flop stop it martha I hope that was an empty bottle, George. You can't afford to waste good liquor. Not on your salary. Not on an associate professor's salary. Man, Liz on overdrive in that one. I feel at that moment I'd be like, well, we got to be heading home. It was mm-hmm. nice meeting you. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, we're going to go ahead and leave. Or, yeah. Like, just, well, actually, you know what? If you're the guest, even if it's your house, you're like, you just walk out the front door. Like, <laughs> hopefully f- they'll get the point. I feel like the camera at one point pans to Sandy Dennis's face, and she's just sitting there, like, so horrified, like, trying to be polite. But, you know, inside, she's like, oh, my God, get I, me out of here. I would love the idea if, like, because he's an old school director, if the guy gave, like, Sandy Dennis and the other guy like the different script for the day. So they're like watching this go down. Oh, like, and they didn't oh, even know. I thought we were doing a happy scene today. <laughs> so I don't know. No happy scenes in that movie. But, you know, sometimes I think people, we miss the classics. We think they're old or boring. But mm-hmm. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Absolutely astounding film. Check it out. Little hint for the old movie, old Hollywood movies. Look at the star at the top. If it's yeah. one of the old actresses, there's a chance that they're going to go nuts. Yeah. You're going <laughs> to get true. like this or uh, what's the Wire Hanger movie? Uh, oh, whatever the Mommy Dearest. Mommy Dearest or whatever happened to Baby Jane. You get oh, one yeah. of those. Oh, boy. Yeah. You're in for a good time. Uh, okay, so I guess the last one I'll bring out, I'm going to get a terrible movie here for you. 2010's Dinner for Schmucks. The <laughs> Paul Rudd and Steve Carell classic <laughs> with Jay Roach directing it. It seems like this should be a good movie. It does. It's a remake. It does seem like it should, but I did not see it. It's a remake of a French movie. Uh, so, you know, that sometimes is good for you. Basically, 
Paul Rudd's trying to get a promotion, so his uh, boss invites him over to a dinner party mm-hmm. where basically what they do is they bring some kind of person with a weird skill or trait, basically just kind of weirdos, quote-unquote weirdos, and they bring them to dinner so that way the executives can make fun of them, but they have to get them to dinner without <laughs> them knowing what it the is. just the meanest, most messed up thing I ever heard. That is some billionaire energy. It is horrible, dude, and they just, like, that's the whole point of what they're doing, um, but... And then the, it's just like Steve Carell and Paul Rudd are hanging out because he picks this guy because he's like, this is the biggest dork that I know mm-hmm. um, or I've ever met. And he, over time, you know. Of course, he's going to feel bad. People were mean. There, there's a very interesting uh, Zach Galifianakis scene in here where like he's really rubbing it into Steve Carell. So that's kind of fun to watch okay. him be like so mean and manic. But like oh, they're just trying so hard and it just doesn't, doesn't work. It just doesn't click. But maybe it'll click with a listener. Probably not. Maybe. Maybe it's possible. <laughs> pick up that one in the French one. You compare the two. And then get, if you want to see a good French remake, uh, pick up The Birdcage while you're here, because uh, that's a good one. Always. We talk about The Birdcage so much. Well, it's because it's I love awesome. how much we love it. I'm going to just mention one more. Um, Gasford Park. Oh, man. I've never seen that. Can you believe it? Oh, no. Yeah, I think you'd like it. So this is Robert Altman. I mean, this is one of America's most distinctive filmmakers. Of course. Um, and he journeys to England for the first time to create this kind of unique film um, with an outstanding ensemble cast, for sure. I mean, that is reason enough to see the film. So it's set in the 1930s, and Gasford Park brings a group of really pretentious, rich, and famous people together for a weekend of relaxation at a hunting resort. But when I'm mad, because each of these interesting characters becomes a suspect. Um, it's kind of like the film Clue. But Which is with, another great dinner party. Movie. Yeah, but with perceptive social commentary, like <laughs> added into Clue. We have Michael Gambon, okay. Kristen Scott Thomas, oh, okay. Maggie Smith. Oh, there you go. Charles Dance. Oh, we got Tywin in there. Yep. Um, I think he did it, by the way. I didn't even need to tell you <laughs> yeah. Tywin did it. Bob Balaban. Oh, okay. Helen Mirren. Oh. Richard Grant, and there's more people. Jeez, man. Exactly. Wow. So then the inspector comes. That's who's like played one by, of those Marigold movies nowadays. Really, played by Stephen Fry. And half of the people in the house have a motive for the murder. Um, but the investigation isn't the point as much. It's like Altman has fun by letting um, the investigate, inspector and his assistant constable kind of um, talk with the upper people people like the upstairs people and then the lower class people in the house the cooks and that you got the down abbey thing going on exactly it's really like a sardonic and deeply layered movie mm. um and i highly recommend it if you've never seen oh, i like where your head's at there man because so see look that good choices except for one all the <laughs> yeah. everybody. get ready for your next dinner party you'll be super prepared but we are out of time, so Jacob, why don't you plug us up? If you have a dinner party coming up and you don't know what to make, you know where's a good place to get some suggestions mm. and recipes? Your local library. we got 37 branches all across Erie County, so stop on by and any one of them will be able to give you a hand. Also, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org and see what kind of programs we got going around that might uh, interest you so that way you can go check them out and, you know, get some stuff at the library. It's a good time, everyone. I like that your voice went higher the whole time. <laughs> okay. So here's a couple amazing facts that you can break out at your next dinner party. Did you know that deepnophobia is a fear of dinner party conversations? You just got me out of a whole bunch of ones in the future. <laughs> Sorry, I have deepnophobia. I can't yeah. do it. Um, if you're hungry, your stomach is technically not growling. 
It is called wambling. <laughs> well, I like that better. <laughs> Wamble. Wamble. Oh, my stomach sure is wambling. Someone's going to punch you. Yeah, they, oh, they <laughs> definitely are. Did you know that the most shoplifted food in the U.S. is candy? Well, yeah. In Europe? It's cheese. <laughs> Come on, Europe. That cheese is so fancy and expensive. It's, it's kind of cheap, man. You get like you're going to get one of those baby bees or something. They're like a uh, sixty-nine cents. Oh or whatever. boy. Um, and this is the worst. Is you're finishing up. It's around Christmas. You're you've got your couple of measly days off. If you were lucky to even get a couple days off, I want you to know that in 1965, a Senate subcommittee predicted that by 2000. Americans would only be working 20 hours a week with seven weeks of vacation. Oh, if only. <laughs> My God, that sounds lovely. Doesn't it? Oh. It did not come true. But got See, the, again, the government failing us. <laughs> Thanks a lot, buddies. But all right, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.